What's shaking, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Orange Bloods Monday Overreaction Show right here on the Orange Bloods Texas Football Channel. I'm Jeff Ketchum. That is Anwar Richardson. This video brought to you by RogueShop.com. Go to the website. Just have fun checking out all of the products. And when you're ready to buy, use that promo code ORANGEBLOODS for Texas's home for legal CBD, THC, and so much more. Mr. Richardson, how are you on this fine Monday? Man, I'm doing great. Uh, had a fun weekend. Uh, I think I, you know, I showed you some stuff. My oldest played, uh, had a soccer debut. Uh, so we did, we did that this weekend, and uh, he did, he did well, extremely well. Wait, wait, exceeded my expectations as a goalie. We went to Austin FC, uh, and I was joking around beforehand that I, it's time for Austin FC to start sending me tickets to attend these games. First one I go to, they win. They have a scoring drought. I come into this. There's a tie on Saturday night. So, um, you know, Austin's FC, it's time, it's time to recognize who your good luck charm is. It's it's not McConaughey beating a drum before the game. It's me. Uh, watch. You, you'll appreciate this catch. I, I uh, made a comment on your uh, on one of your uh, posts, uh, on your 10 thoughts of the weekend. Uh, you mean you mentioned Man City? I was like, I mentioned Holland. I was like, Catch has got to be impressed. That I, I, you're learning names. I'm learning names. But overall, good uh, overall good weekend. Happy May first to you. How was your uh, How was your weekend? It was weird because we did a. My wife's family had a family reunion, so it's, just, oh. it's always strange to go to another family's family reunion, and there were just a lot of people that I haven't seen. Since the kids were born, at least. So it's like, hey, haven't seen you in 10 years. Have no idea what to even begin <laughs> to say to you because clearly we love each other so much that we wait a decade in between words. Just, <laughs> it's just strange conversations. <laughs> Those are straight. It is, it's always, uh, you're like, oh, man, yeah, we should stay in contact. And then you're just like, nah, that's never going to happen. That actually wasn't said this weekend. Oh wow! So this was this was all about business, is what you're saying. Well, what is? Let's talk draft before okay. I talk family. At the end of the day, like I said, it wasn't my family reunion, yeah. so I just don't think that there are a lot of people itching to talk to me, which mm. is fair. Yeah, you know, yeah. nobody in my wife's family has to be friends with me. <laughs> I don't know that that changed after the weekend. Fair enough. All right, don't get in trouble. Of course, they may just say that like I'm a recluse and hid and wasn't social. And it's like, well, I got kids, and like I said, it's a, it's a, it's quite a little Pandora's box that if we open up, we we may not be able to close back down. Uh, the NFL draft is over. The Longhorns have some selections. Yeah. Yay! Um, hey, can I? Can when we start there? Let me. Can I? Let Let me start one way. Let me say, Morrow. I was so glad I was wrong about you not getting drafted. I'm so glad. Uh, I thought it was, I knew it was going to be close. At the, and I just, I erred on the, okay, it's probably not going to happen. But late, he goes to, it goes to Philadelphia. And I know, so I'm sorry there. Props to you, Morrow. Uh, I just want to let you know, you know, you know me, free Morrow. You know what's funny about the Morrow thing, though, Catch? I feel like everybody else, like, <laughs> went through, like, the University of Texas to get to distribute quotes. And Morrow had his own like PR people set up the interview and uh, and th this and that. And I was like, was Morrow like, you know what? I'm not going to have UT silence me ever again. Like, <laughs> the, I refuse. And so I think he was because every UT provided quotes from everybody else, but except for Morrow, who had his own thing going. I think Morrow was like, screw that. But it was cool, man. You know, catch to go from last year to have from zero. To having five, you know, it's kind of back, you know, step in the right direction. I don't know how, if you view it as a success or not. And I don't, I guess I would start. How do you characterize it in, in your book? It was a modest success. I think they finished tied for 10th for mm -hmm. most players that were drafted with five. At the end of the day, you and I didn't have to write the sad sack column of. Well, Longhorns didn't have anybody drafted, but look ahead to next year. Instead, they had five drafted, and we were able to say, and look ahead to next year when it might grow from there. Mm -hmm. I think 
it set the table pretty nicely from a talking point standpoint of this is where Texas was. If you want to know why Texas didn't win the Big 12 championship, you know, TCU led the conference with eight players drafted. Texas had five. And in a world where small margins determine such things, yeah, it kind of felt like last year's team was three players away. That three more good players in Texas is playing for the Big 12 championship and maybe winning it. We've talked, I've spent a lot of the offseason talking about, boy, if they just had Isaiah Nayor like they expected to have for 12 games, maybe that gets them over the hump. I thought it was a solid weekend and that we don't have to dwell on the negative. And I think it feels like that's the first time that's happened in a while. It's either none or it's one or two and the conference as a whole is terrible. Big 12 had a better night, but at the end of the day, nobody's writing about that either because the Longhorns are going to be in the SEC and, you know, in 12 months time ish. And so at least, well, you want to talk about, do you, ever, do you ever, ever have senioritis or at the end of your senior year, you were just mm-hmm. mailing it in? Yes. 12 months from today, we will be mailing in whatever's left of that Texas Big 12 relationship baseball oh. season. We will mentally have it in the rearview mirror. And it kind of felt a little senioritis this weekend. And I just no longer cared if Big 12 players got drafted. And it had they had a, the league had a nice run. It did good. I just didn't care. They, they did good, which is surprised. I think they had, what, 30 when it was all said and done, Catch, if that number is correct? I, I had seen 28, but okay. that may be right. Like I so Somewhere in that vicinity, right? So five first-rounders. And six. Yeah, six, six. Okay, and usually we're banging the Big 12. Like, man, like, man, this conference is – for your reason. Yeah, yeah, it's because they know ever produced draft picks. And this was the first time you said, oh, man, that's cool. But you know what I feel like the Big 12 is right now to me, Catch? The Big 12 is kind of like that, that you were in a relationship with someone, and they finally start to get on their act right, but it's too late because you already have one foot out the door. And I, that's how I feel the Big 12. I feel like they finally have a good commissioner. And you say to yourself, man, this guy knows, you know, he's he's pretty good at what he's doing. He's got this thing going. I, I, you know, I wish we you would have had that years ago. Like, oh, you guys finally did expansion. Man, that's a good idea. Like, wish you guys had done that, you know, years ago. And now you see this. TCU's got draft, all these draft picks. You go, yeah, that's pretty good. Wish you did that years ago. But you already you're already ready for this new relationship catch. So it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's funny that all of my analogies are pop culture references and all of your analogies are relationship. Analogies. They're all relationship references. Cause I've been in so many. <laughs> I, 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 I go through relationships. Like you go through movie references. So I, I know mean, back and forth we go. It's hard to keep <laughs> up. Can, uh, hey, can I say something though? Can I give you a, can I give you an unsolicited attaboy? Sure. You know, I was say I was thought about this. You know, sometimes people ask me, you know, why why do you what's the word? Why is catch your guy? Like why is that not why, why is that you your fuck with me? Huh? So why do you fuck with me? <laughs> I was gonna say that, but I was like, can I I don't know where we you were on the network, but whatever. people ask me, then people go like people go like why why do you fuck with catch? You know, let me let me explain this. I'm gonna say something that no one else knows, but I'm gonna I'll say it. I'm going to say the part that people know, and I'm going to say the part that they, that they don't know. So what we do know is about the Marvion Overshow, right? And what we do know is that during COVID, there was a point where Demarion went back to ARP and he started working. Uh, and what we do know is that, you know, his, his pressure internally to take care of the family became a thing where Demarion was kind of borderline on should I return to college or should I not return to college? Like it was that close where the staff finally talks him into it. DeMarvion ends up being the last guy that shows up at, you know, after COVID. He was um, the last guy. The very last guy. Like I believe practicing had already started or the players had already reported and he was the last person they finally got in because he felt that. So this is why I fuck with catch. Because there's two things that no one knows, and that you won't say. But 
you know, DeMarvion's first NIL deal was with Orange Bloods. And a lot of that was because I know you felt really moved by his situation and what was going on. And, and, and you wanted to see if we can help out. The second thing that people don't know is that you, you, how what's the word? Uh, Bart helped him get a deal with Covert for like you went out of your way that not, not only did you say, okay, we got the orange bloods deal, but you talked to the people at Covert in order for him to get an even bigger deal to, 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 you know, help him out because that's how much you cared about him. So, you know, it's a story that won't get told. Is it, you know, no one will know this except you, me, maybe the people at Covert and maybe DeMarvion uh, and no one in DeMarvion doesn't have to prop up anyone, but when people ask him, why do you fuck with catch? It's, it's the little things. It's, Yes, that's how I can deal with being interrupted or, or or some of the other things that you don't like because you got a good heart. Um, and when I saw DeMarion get drafted and I and you knew that weight was getting lifted on his shoulder, this reminded me of the first NIL deal and the NIL deals that you helped him get uh, to really try to help him out and his family. I don't know how much I had to do with a lot of that stuff. I know that um, – I know it felt good to watch – DeMarvion get drafted and then to see all that come off of him, right? I mean, he can take care of his family without having to worry about taking care of his family. And it, it has to be, especially now that he has a young child, there are added levels and layers to all of this. But people don't really know the stories that some of these guys deal with, that they're trying to live the dream. And it is you know, it's a dream come true in a lot of ways to be a football player at a major university where people know who you are. Girls know who you are. Um, there are all kinds of perks that come with it, but the real life stuff doesn't go away. Your family's needs don't go away. Their needs to pay bills don't go away. Your needs to pay your bills. You know, I can remember the national championship team. There was a guy on the team that sold his bowl rings and his championship rings because he needed to pay bills, had a cell phone bill to pay. And it was like, I'll sell a ring because I'll win another. And guys that young don't have perspective. I can remember Cedric Griffin, longtime NFL player, starter in the national championship game. Back in the day, one asked me if he could stick his TV in my garage because he didn't have a place to live in the off season. And, that was like all he had was a TV. Mm -hmm. So people don't really think about the human side of all of this. And I think I find myself on draft day thinking about the human side a lot. Thinking about DeMarvion Overshone signing, probably signing a four-year deal worth millions of dollars that allows him to just change his life. That's, that's when this job is really fun. When young guys that you followed since they were – Young teenagers are young men and have gone through all of the fires, haven't been burned too badly, and are in a position to kind of live the dream. DeMarvion's situation this weekend was, was pretty unique and special, that he gets scooped up by the Cowboys. That he goes a little bit earlier. You know, we had the conversation on Friday. Mm -hmm. I thought he might sneak into round three, and he did. Yeah. He and Roshan kind of flip-flop because it kind of looked like Roshan might be a day through a day two mm -hmm. guy. He we talked about that on Friday that it might I thought DeMarvion might go before slightly before Roshan, and it's what happened. But Roshan's another example. There are a lot yeah. of all of the guys that got drafted this weekend for Texas have unique stories that their success makes you feel good about the universe. In a universe that oftentimes doesn't afford us many moments where we come out of it on a daily basis saying, my God, the world is a special place. Isn't it unique in an awesome way? feels like more times than not, we feel the opposite. But on draft weekend, usually enough good things happen that it's a reminder that this can be a really special and unique life that we live. And I think DeMarvion got a chance to experience that in a very unique way. And it was cool to write about it this weekend. You can check it out. Over my 10 thoughts of the weekend, DeMarvion Overshone's 
draft selection, my number one thought from the weekend. Uh, and thanks for the kind words, by the way. Appreciate it. And, you know, the other one, too, you, you mentioned him. Um, you know, the, the, the Roshan Johnson story is just the thing I liked about the Roshan Johnson story, right, Catch, is that we are in this transfer portal area, era rather. I mean, look at Casey Thompson. Casey is back in the freaking transfer portal. I'm like, dude, how many schools are you going to go to, man? Like, you literally would like Texas, then you flirted with going to Oklahoma, and then you can't, you know, you come, you come back to Texas. Now you go to Nebraska. Now you're going to go somewhere else. And, you know, all searching for whatever. And, and, but you get it. And the, and the Roshan, we know, like, I mean, first of all, most guys would have transferred once the, the quarterback thing. They would, I'm, I'm a quarterback. Screw this. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to play. That would have been the first one. You know, and then he, but he goes there, I'll be unselfish, no problem, so on and so forth. And then him, you, now you, you're like, okay, well, now you just got to sit behind B. John Robinson throughout your entire tenure at Texas. And you're like, you're not going to start, man, unless he gets injured, which, you know, of course happens. And to end up being viewed as one of the team leaders, the the guy that everyone respects, and we know he's a baller, catch, but just the way, you know, Sartre would talk about guys that he loved on the team, you know, and, and it looks, and, and Roshan's a contributor, so, but, you know, but he wasn't a starter, but he's obviously, he was still played a lot for, you know, you don't hear people say that about, you know, a second string guy per se. And for him to be able to do what he did and then get drafted fourth round and go to a pretty good spot where you're just saying, well, just beat out Deontay Foreman, who is solid as an NFL running back, but it's, you're not looking at how the hell do I beat that guy? That was another one for me. Like, I just like, damn, that, it's kind of refreshing sometimes where I know we get transfer portal crazy, but it's kind of refreshing to see a guy kind of just stick it through and then get rewarded at the end. That was, that was really cool to see. Yeah. Roshan. Roshan. That's a great spot for him. I mean, yeah, I hate that Deontay Foreman is now in Chicago and is kind of the only guy that Roshan needs to beat out to be the starter, mainly because this is Deontay's first time to be in a position to truly be a starter. And he starts last season for Carolina down the stretch, but that's because they traded Christian McCaffrey. When he yeah. gets drafted by the Texans, his career didn't get off to a really good start, so they drafted him pretty highly, and then it just didn't work out. So now he's bounced around a little bit. Now he's in Chicago. They're not a like-for-like, like, but they, they have some similar traits in terms of partnering together. So I'm curious – to see that how that goes. I think both of those guys, from a fantasy standpoint, mm. you always think about our draft as what happens before round nine when keepers kick in. Mm -hmm. I think Roshan would be a good keeper, but I think he won't make it that far. My, I don't even think this is an early overreaction. I think I won't be surprised if we see both. Uh, Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson drafted in say the top eight rounds of next year's draft. Just something, just something to think about yeah. on in a couple of months from now when we're drafting. He will be a guy that I think people would like to get as a keeper because you start going for the rookies at that point. Yeah. I just wonder if he does enough in training camp and gets enough buzz that he's talked about as a guy getting some first team reps and it changes everything at that point so good spot for him but had anything negative to say about him and Bijan mostly but Roshan and Bijan both go to places where the quarterback plays unproven I mean yeah. at least Roshan has Justin Field so there's a really talented guy in there that they hope is the guy Atlanta I'm telling you I am worried that the best of Bijan this is rich man problems right I mean, his life just changed. He is maybe the face of that franchise at this point. Uh, but I worry, again, am I really worrying? I'm not, like, taking medicine for this. <laughs> but it crosses my mind that the best of Bijan Robinson's years in the NFL will be wasted playing for a team that doesn't have a quarterback. It's – 
that will be the tough part. I'm 100% with you on that catch because it doesn't, you know, he could be good and he could be talented. You can't win in this in that league without having a, a good quarterback. It's just, it, it, it can't, it's impossible. So, and, you know, and, and it sucks too because, because he's in a conference catch that you would say to yourself, this it's not really that great. I mean, you don't look at any team in there and think to yourself, that team's a killer. I mean, you know, Tampa's is going to have Baker as as their as their quarterback. I mean, Carolina is going through changes. Like you can, you know, the Saints. Like you don't look at any any team in there and say to yourself, "Woo, how do you get?" It's not like the AFC where you just say to yourself, "How do you survive?" And then you wish you would go to a place where you would say to yourself, "Oh man, he's got a good shot uh, to really be successful." But that that's that's the kind of the, the 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 good and the bad of of being a you know a top ten pick. You know the good is going to be the money. The bad is you're going to go to a bad team, and you know and it potentially is going to take a few years for you to have any kind of success. Consequently, Keandre Coburn gets drafted, and my very first thought is, shit, man, Keandre might have a ring in the next three years. He's he's now yeah. riding he's now riding the Mahomes Express. And it's a great place to be if you can get some of that. So he falls into a good situation. And then Mauro Jumbo gets drafted by the Eagles. And I kind of had the same thought, which was if he makes that team, the Eagles might very well be winning a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, both drafted, I think, around apart from each other. The differences, and I think Mauro becomes the poster boy for this conversation to a certain degree. He'll go to training camp as the seventh defensive tackle for the Eagles. So he gets drafted in round seven. But that will not be an easy team to make out of training camp. So if you're Mauro Jomo, you go and can't play special teams really, right? So Mm -hmm. that's what we would tell Deshaun Jameson and Anthony Cook. Just go be ballers on special teams and let everything else as undrafted free agents for your team's let the cards fall where they may beyond that, but make yourself valuable on special teams. And you'd be surprised how that can be the pathway towards making a team. Mauro Jumbo's got to put some film on tape, try to impress a little bit in those third and fourth quarters of preseason games. And he might end up being a practice squad player beyond that because he got drafted by a team that took him as the best available player. But they're loaded at that position. I mean, we were saying they were loaded at that position before they took Jalen Carter in round one. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah. now they've added another guy. So every situation is a little bit unique. The segue I'll make here, and you can talk about any of those guys. Mm-mm, you want to I want to get to the segue. Is next year. Oh, I thought you were, oh, I thought you were going to talk about the undrafted guys. No, we can. Well, let's do that, and then we'll talk about next year. Okay. I didn't I don't really I'm not clutching my pearls over the travesty of the players available for Texas that that aren't on teams at this point. Deshaun Jameson signs a deal with the 49ers. Anthony Cook signs a deal with the Chiefs. I think we did not expect them to get drafted. So Morrow goes, and at that point it felt like Okay, all the guys that we thought might really have a chance of being drafted have been drafted. There's Jalil Billingsley. I mean, there's usually a little bit of drama around this, it seems like, because Texas fans want to huff and puff that their guys should have gone a little higher, that they will – I had one guy tell me that he thought Deshaun Jamison would have the best NFL career after Bijan of all of the NFL guys that were drafted – this weekend, and I was like, oh, okay. But by and large, the draft went about as friendly as it could probably go if you're a Texas supporter. Yeah, I mean, I, and so let's go. Can, I, I do want to ask the Deshaun Jameson question that I asked on Friday, which is a couple of years ago, we're talking about Deshaun as – you know, a potential draft pick, a lot off of what he did on special teams and just how dynamic he was there. Well, he was, Um, don't mean to interrupt you, but sophomore starter at corner, Mm -hmm. an all big 12 return guy. You could close your eyes and go, okay, this guy's going to be a three-year starter 
and an all Big 12 kind of player. Yeah. So what do you what what do we make of it when it's all said and done? Because you know, the Jalil Billingsley thing's interesting because when you know when he left Alabama, there was some belief that he was a future NFL, you know, draft pick. So um it, you know, and that thing does nothing ever worked out for Jalil Hill at, at Texas. So uh, but the Deshaun one I'm I'm just kind of curious about. It's disappointing. He's not good enough, I think, to start on this year's team. I think in the past couple of years, he's just been the best player that they've had. Um, I can't look back in retrospect and say that something should have changed, but Deshaun Jameson didn't really ever emerge as an all-Big 12 defensive player. He was okay, but he was never better than, I think, pretty good. So in the end, he probably gets overhyped by the and, – and he's one of those guys. It's a bit of a cautionary tale. The next time you find yourself that saying that a returning starter will be better the next year just because – Deshaun Jameson is an example of a guy that just because isn't a real answer. And – he peaked a little early. I mean, it feels like his best season was the COVID season in 2020. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. got us talking about him. Well, that, te- that tech game and, and how you played in there was amazing. I mean, it, it never really got better than that. Yeah. And I think that's the cautionary tale. We all have to remind ourselves that some of these offensive linemen aren't going to be better just because. Some of these – I mean, really, every player – there has to be a reason – why a guy is better from one year to the next. You can say, well, he had a year in the offseason, but, you know, I don't know. It's just a reminder that guys don't just ascend the entire time they're on campus. Sometimes they plateau. Sometimes they dip. Deshaun Jamison felt like a guy that, as a junior, plateaued, and as a senior, dipped a little because by the end of the year, it was like, Hey, let's get Terrence Brooks on the field in that spot. Let's see, you know, who the, which of these young guys can make it an impression. And when Jamison wasn't on the field, it didn't always feel like Texas was missing anything. Yeah. Okay. All right. We can do a transition. I just wanted to get your ribbon and bow on the Deshaun James, a guy we talked up a lot. So I just felt it would be only, only fair for us to, you know, it, it, and know, the other thing happened. is, when he tested, he didn't yeah. test as well as we thought he would. I think he ran in the four sixes. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, at the pro mm-hmm. day, he was a guy that I thought would run a lot better. And if he does, he gets drafted. I mean, if he's out there running the low four fours, high four threes, as a small guy, he has to. Can't be small and slow in the NFL. You won't get drafted. That's what happened to him. He's a smaller guy and didn't test well. And you'll find very few of those guys that end up getting drafted when you combine those two things together. Now, 100% agree. We have a super chat. And so I'm going to put it up there because I don't want Trey to think we're just ignoring him. This is part of the next segue that we're taking. When people say that Quinn has an elite arm, what exactly does that mean? Arm strength, accuracy, and who has a stronger arm, Quinn Ewers or Malik Murphy? Because one, because QE beat out Malik at the Elite 11 for the strongest arm. Okay. Trey, we're going to kick your curb, your question to the curb for a moment. Because now we're going to have the conversation about next year. Quinn Ewers is a big part of this discussion. We'll come back to this question, but it would feel a little bit like putting the cart in front of the horse to get into the minutia of the details of Quinn's physical ability without getting into the larger picture of Quinn Ewers as a draft prospect uh, because he's a big part of what we're going to be talking about in this next section. So on where the draft wasn't even over before – Mock drafts. <laughs> we should all just take a minute to laugh at mock drafts. Because uh, they nobody had a good mock draft this year. 
<laughs> I mean, by the, by the time Thursday rolled around, people had convinced themselves because of the scuttlebutt that Houston wasn't even taking a quarterback. That they were going to go maybe Tyree Wilson. So everybody's mock draft was just a mess. Alex got four out of 31 correct. Now, Whew. if Alex was here to defend himself, he'd probably say, I got like 28 of the 31 all in the first round. I don't have the numbers. In fr- I stopped counting. Once I- he got one pick in the top ten right. He got three in the twenties correct, which I thought was pretty impressive because Good. at that point guys are off the board, and mm-hmm. you got teams like the Cowboys. Who did they want to tie end in the first pick? Did they not want to tie in? Did they get their pick sniped from them right before they were about to make it? Were they always going to take the defensive tackle from Michigan? if he was available, like there are these things that you don't really know going in. So kudos to Alex for getting three of the final 10 correct. But by and large, <laughs> that's four, that's four out of 32. Mock, it's one out of eight. That's a, yeah. that's a CJ Stroud. That's a CJ Stroud uh, exam of result at that point. It is a CJ Stroud, like 12.5% exam yeah. score. Uh, Quinn is in a lot of first-round mocks yeah. for next year. And it's funny because this, this kind of came up a month or two ago when I ranked the top 25 players on the Texas roster. And I think I ranked yours around 18 or 19 because I ranked him as the player that he either was last year or is slash was going into spring workouts. I'd probably raise him above that now, having seen the spring and seen that some improvement has been made and maybe some guys that I ranked ahead of him aren't quite worthy of being ahead of him as I thought. But it's hard to put him in the top five or the top ten of guys so far. But there's only like one or two guys on the team that are even being mentioned as fellow first-round draft picks potentially going into next year. It's the conundrum for Quinn Ewers. Is he a first-round draft pick next year? Is he actually a top-ten player on the team right now? The last question you would think impacts the first question, but part of me wonders if he's not – that quarterbacks aren't just their own unique thing. I, I ask myself, if this was a world like the NBA where guys could just go pro. So this is the question I want to ask you, Anwar. Given that quarterbacks – who are on cheap deals are worth their weight in gold. Where does Quinn Ewers get drafted this year? If he comes out off of last season's injury, he gets drafted because there's talk. He might be a top 10 pick in at, at some point. So where would he go if he was in this year's draft coming off of a single season? I mean, I, I would go I – because mean, quarterbacks, you just – you don't have a franchise. If you don't have a franchise quarterback, you don't have a franchise quarterback. I mean, you just you – don't, you don't have a good franchise is, is really what it boils down to, which is why you're always in search for that. I I, I don't know where I, – I would put him in the first round catch. I you can't tell you not in the first round. I, don't, I can't tell you. I don't know if you'd be top five or ten or something like that. But yeah, I think there's there's too many things that he does well that everyone will will look at and say, "Yep, that's what I want." You know, and and and, and you know, and there's other things that we can work on to get him to where we want him to be. But yeah, I mean. Yeah, I would. I I would think easily. And, and you got to also factor in, and this is a good question, by the way. You just got to factor in that he's a Sarkeesian uh, quarterback as well, and I think that carries weight within the NFL because Sarkeesian is very well respected. You know, just very very well respected in college football, but very respected in the NFL stuff. I've heard his name come about over the last couple of weeks or so, and just everyone praises him in of uh, in different circles. So. I, I would put him as a as a maybe I would put him out as a first rounder. I, I you know maybe like I think he, he would go ahead of that Kentucky kid. 
for sure. Well, and so that game went in the second round. I'm going to go with this is that I mean, Will Levis is if Will Levis is a second round pick, does somebody? I don't agree with you, but I can't tell you that you're wrong, right? Like you might very well be right. There's a part because the thing about yours is if you're an NFL team, you might have to convince yourself he's two years away. Right. If you're coming mm-hmm. off of last year, not this year, because he might play at a, a level well enough this year that he goes to the draft and an NFL team says he needs a he needs a year in the league, but by year two. And look, Patrick Mahomes was that way. Yeah. I mean, people make fun of the Mike Farrells of the world and some of the people who pooped on the Chiefs taking Patrick Mahomes. But Mahomes wasn't ready to play in the NFL in year one. But they had a veteran starter. They had to worry about that. And then by the time he gets in, it was like ready to go. My thought with yours comes down to, you know, if we go to the third round and we start looking at quarterbacks, that was where Hendon Hooker was selected. And – yeah, I think there's a case that can be made if you're an NFL team who's drafting for its future that a Quinn Ewers, who's completely unproven, he wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 last season. But if he were available in the draft, I do think he gets drafted. I do think he gets fairly drafted fairly early. And, and, and there's this discussion now that we're having, which is, how early would he go? I don't think the first round's an impossibility. I don't agree with it because I think there are other guys that got drafted that I think are further ahead. But, man, if we get to the fourth round and we start start talking about quarterbacks. Like, like, was it Stetson Bennett? Like, where was he? The first quarterback taken in the draft was Jake Hay- – in the fourth round – was Jake Hayner from Fresno State, who put up a bunch of numbers going into last season. And then last year, it wasn't as good of a season as he had had, not playing in a major conference, not great physical tools. Then Stetson Bennett goes in the fourth round. All moxie, no physical tools, which is why he was a walk-on in the first place. And then you get to a guy like the last pick of the fourth round, was a guy named, this is what made, I should have wrote about this. I didn't. Fourth round, last pick, there was a guy named Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) The Raiders are definitely taking (laughs) Quinn Ewers over Aiden O'Connell. That's where I drew the line. And I think he gets, you know, in a world where, Freshmen can be drafted. First-year players can be drafted, or you can leave to go pro anytime you want to. I also think he gets drafted before Hayner and Bennett. So we look at the three quarterbacks that go in the fourth round, and I think NFL teams would have been more interested in a Quinn Ewers who's not better than any of them, but he has physical tools that are better than them. And – the NFL doesn't have to worry about this because they get the draft guys after their third years. But it would be really chaotic to see teams try to handle 19, 20-year-old quarterbacks who you're taking purely on upside. But if you're taking Quinn Ewers on upside, you're probably taking him before the end of day two. But there's a fine line between a guy being really talented and possibly an NFL draft pick and a guy who's starting to bust out a little bit. And it makes this season for yours critical. Because if he doesn't play well, I don't think in 12 months we're saying the same thing. Oh, well, teams would take Quinn Ewers in the top three rounds because of his talent, because of his raw skills. I think you can get away with one year of up and down play. It will be imperative for Quinn Ewers in 12 months to be coming off of a season where he was really good. And I think that's all that's standing between him and a really high draft slot. Yeah, Coach, because when you when you look at 
the guys that he'll be competing against, you know, and one of the things I has kind of like the top five NBC Sports listed their top, top five uh, quarterbacks. Talk about Caleb Williams, who, you know, checks all the boxes. Uh, Drake May from North Carolina. You know, Michael Penix Jr., you know, from Washington. We all saw him. Uh, Dion Sun. Uh, and then, you know, Shador. And then uh, Quinn. And so you're, you, you know, you're basically – He's that that's that's your top five going into this year. And then now you just gotta be, you know, better than a couple of those guys and 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 stand out. And if Texas has a season that we think that they'll have with the weapons that they'll have, you know, all of a sudden the it, you know, the conversation around him changes and you know, now we're 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 in that what are teams doing, you know, and, and one of the things I, I had heard a few weeks ago, catch it was uh before the Aaron Rodgers trade had went down. Um, and they were saying like one of the things that for of a Green Bay standpoint was that they understood that in 2024, there would be a lot of good quarterbacks available. So, it, you know, some of it might be, be getting by this year and then going after one of the, one of the elite guys and Quinn's on that list. So, you know, now it's just, it's just up to him to, continue you know his acceleration or uh his climb that he's had this offseason translated into you know the regular season you know and then you know from that point on now it's a superstar you know kind of thing because when you catch you you were here and you've been around where there's been a superstarish kind of quarterback like texas hasn't had that headliner like that in a while like Maybe the closest over the last few years has been Sam Ellinger, but in, in but the rock star one is probably a little bit different. You know what it's like when you've had um whether it's VY uh or you know or or, or after that. Why am I blanking? Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Sorry, Colt. I apologize for that. Colt McCoy, you you've seen that. Um and I guess, in, and I'm imagining when the, those drafts happen and those seasons happen, the hoopla and the the hype around it is way different than any other season, right? I can remember being on the beach in Jamaica on my honeymoon when Colt got drafted, mm. and I worked on a laptop on the beach because Colt McCoy getting drafted was a big deal, and. It's been since then that Texas has had a quarterback. Quarterbacks are just bigger than everything else. And, you know, Quinn, this upcoming season for Quinn and what he's able to do, I think we all know if Quinn has a big enough season, he will, he and his family and support team will be comfortable with the idea of him in the NFL. That the, the plan, if there could be such a thing, was always come from Ohio State, play two years at Texas, go to the NFL. It was something that they mentioned to Arch. Like, hey, the way this thing could work out, you don't have to worry about playing as a true freshman and dealing with all that pressure. You can kind of slide in, relax, antiquate yourself with all of the stuff going on. And then when he leaves, you're the starter. I think that was something that the Mannings felt good about. Like, okay. And we had heard that from our sourcing that the presence of uh, Quinn Ewers in year one for, for Arch is a good thing. That being the savior year one wasn't automatically what he wanted to walk into. Will he be good enough? Will he be able to play at a high enough level, Ewers, to be drafted is the million-dollar question literally for this program because – there is a, a scenario out there where Quinn doesn't play well enough to leave and be a pro where he has to come back and play another year of college football. I don't want that scenario. Well, and you know what? If we're being completely honest, then we're having the Deshaun Jameson conversation about Quinn because the question would be in 2024, is Malik or Arch ready to take over? And if, Quinn hasn't played his way up to that level. There will be people say, okay, well, if, if 
are you better off having one of these other two guys? Is their upside higher than Quinn's 12 months from now? If it doesn't happen, what does he do? What do, do the quarterbacks sit around and wait another year? You can tell Arch Manning that not only is he not starting, but he might still have to beat out Malik Murphy in 2025. Are those guys going to be patient enough to wait for that? We just talked about Roshan Johnson having the kind of patience that's commendable, but I don't know how to hit. Like, what is that, 10% of college football would stick around and stay? It feels like the overwhelming majority would not, given the rules of the sport these days. So the, there's a huge – we could spend hours talking about the quarterback position, the future, and the implications of, of all of this from 30,000 feet up based on what Quinn does this season on the field. If he balls at a high enough level that he can go pro, then we have the Manning-Malik conversation. And that by itself is hours of conversation that can take place the idea that yours could also be in that mix if the light switch doesn't go off and he doesn't have a great season this year gets potentially not guaranteed messy, but potentially messy. Yeah, I don't want to have that conversation. No, because <laughs> every everything goes wrong if 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 that happens. I, you know, I I, I that I think the good part. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the good the good part, and maybe this segues into a little bit of what the the, the super chat was by Trey, is it, it, everything seems to be trending uh, in the right direction as relates for to, to Quinn, at least as how this offseason is going. Uh, the way Sarkeesian is, is talking about him, you know, to the point where you know Sark went ahead, and I think we kind of all knew it, but just kind of let just so we're clear. He is going to be the starting quarterback going into this season, barring something crazy happening, right? And Sar Sarkis has been really big on catch. He's been really big on, I got to keep guys motivated. I got to give them something to work towards. So I, I can't, I'm not going to tell you guys where anyone ranks as far as depth charts or anything like that is concerned. But then it goes, well, but I'll tell you about him. <laughs> you know, he, I'm just going to let you know he ranks up here. So I think to have that seal of approval, from Sarkeesian probably means that in you know this he, it's everything's heading in the right direction. Um, the confidence is, is there, um, and then when it as relates to the to the to the the question, you know what you know, people talk. There's a, there's a lot of different things as relates to it. I know you asked ask about a leak arm, you know, of course the arm strength, the you know the accuracy, those things are there. Um, but it's also the anticipation, you know, portion of it, you know, being able, you know, you got fight being arm strength is great, but to, as we saw last year, you know, trying to hit a guy like Xavier worthy in stride is not always the easiest task to do, you know, now he's got what the good part is Quinn's gotten better at that, but it's the ball placement. It's, it's, it's thrown to a spot oftentimes uh, more so than anything else. And then again, the, I'm not going to get into the debate catch on well, whose fault was it for those throws? You know that you know what? You know, I definitely don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, right? So, and, and someone will say because you know someone will it's not about that. Just saying it's tough, you know. But he's done the things. He's done the little things as far as like I said, Arshad, the accuracy, uh, the ball placement. But then of course is is that mental clock getting the ball out in time. Um, not really, you know, catch. We didn't really hear much about turnovers for Quinn in this in this offseason. Uh, that that doesn't really wasn't a topic at all. I mean, it definitely wasn't in the spring game, but you didn't hear about those things like like it, like it was crazy or out of whack. So, and then you know, the leadership component that kind of factors in. Uh, and the trend, the thing I would say to you, I think what we may have to start getting used to here at Texas is. You just might just have a team that has good guys who just have to wait their turn. Like, and you, you know, and you might just have a team that you might be able to say, Quinn is really good. And guess what? Malik is really good. And maybe at some point, Arch will be. But I think we're catch, we've been so used to a guy getting it by default because it, it's yeah. just 
who else is there? You know, it's like, well, it's Tyrone Swoops, and there it is. I mean, I don't got nobody else to really play quarterback. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, Shane Buscelli, I mean, that was a five-win season. So, well, you know, Gerard kinda, Hurd. Yeah, then it's Gerard Hurd because, like, well, I don't know who's going to do there. And then you know, the Shane and Sam battle was kind of like, mm, and then, of course, Sam does that. And, you know, Casey and, and, and Hutt is like, well, someone's got to win the job, right? And it, it's you never felt like you've had a stacked room. So I think when you get into the Quinn, Malik, who's got this, who's got that, they both got good things. They both have good attributes. Quinn is further along, but that's not an indictment on Malik. And I just think we got to get used to sometimes you're going to have to say a good player may have to wait their turn. And then when that good player gets a chance to get in, kind of like like OU catch for all those. he, He had guys. You just had to wait. Of course, a lot of times they had to wait to the, to play Texas and get benched, but nonetheless, that's what I mean. I think to answer Quinn's question or answer Trey's question about Quinn and Malik, I think Quinn's a more accurate guy when he was a high school player. I, I mentioned the thing that stood out to, about him to me more than anything was his accuracy in the short and intermediate routes was as good as anything I've ever seen from a young quarterback. I wouldn't say that about Malik. What I would say is the ball comes out of his hand sometimes, and it makes me go, ooh. It gives me that orgasm sound. Ooh. Like, I don't want to know how you orgasm. I just, that wasn't like a me orgasm. That was just an orgasm sound. Okay. Yeah. You know, guys are different. Yeah, nice that was like clarity. the Meg Ryan orgasm. You know, <laughs> guys grunted out more than ah. Uh, <laughs> with Mike, stop. But I think that Malik makes me make woo noises more than Quinn does. But I don't think it's about who can throw the ball the furthest. I hate that. I hate when we start talking about strong arms. And then I hear that some quarterback threw the ball 70 yards. It's not what it's about. You know what it's about? It's about that throw that Quinn made against Oklahoma to Jatavion, where functionally, can you throw the ball on a line down the seam to the deep part of the fields in ways that the defense can't defend the pass? It's not about lofting it up. Like, can you on a rope make that throw? Quinn and the, the good news is both Quinn and Malik can make the throw. We've seen Quinn functionally do it in a game. Can you consistently make those throws? Is the question that NFL evaluators will be making. If the answer is yes, then you're worth your weight in gold. Because what Anthony Richardson of Florida was able to do, he wasn't a great quarterback. He wasn't even really a good quarterback last year at Florida. However, in his, I think, 13 games as a starter, he made enough pro throws on film that there weren't questions about his capacity to make throws. And I think NFL players will look at Quinn and Malik in time in the same fashion. They may ask, do they consistently make that throw? But they won't have to ask whether they can make that throw. And honestly, you get into rounds two, three, and four, and the question of can they make that throw is one that exists. I don't think it will exist with these two players. They both have pretty incredible arms. How we would try to decipher who has the stronger arm, you might have to get like some of those Soviet Union tests. Remember Rocky Four? Every time Drago did something, it was being measured. Like, oh, this punch had... 2,000 pounds of pressure behind it. Maybe you'd have to go to the machines and the technology to measure who has the stronger arm. I think it's really close, and I feel like we're splitting hairs to to debate it too strongly. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, I think what was one of the things that the Raiders loved about Jamarcus Russell years ago was that he, with his workouts, he was able to throw the ball like an, an insane amount of yards off his knees. And, I, and that's one of the reasons he got drafted because they were so impressed by that. And you just then no one realized at the time that your quarterback's probably not going to be throwing off his knees. So that was like the most useless exercise. Like it's cool, 
but more than likely he's not throwing he's never throwing off his knees balls down at that point. this year's example of that on war was there was video going around of anthony richardson throwing the ball 65 yards flat footed and it was like what does that mean <laughs> when is he ever just going to be standing still and throwing it as far as he can yeah those things drive me crazy yeah so then there's the xavier conversation too catch yeah, well, I know we're coming know, up on an hour. I think with Xavier, it comes down to how I think with almost every other guy on this team, how they test is paramount to where they go. Xavier's a smaller wide receiver, so there will be some teams that are not going to want to spend a first round draft pick on a guy who has the body shape. I mean, he's a slender, smaller guy. That's who Xavier Worthy is. If he's running four threes, it won't matter. And I think that, you know, I I have I cannot wait to see Xavier Worthy's 40 time tested. Because he's always in the discussion of fastest Texas players, but he doesn't have that senior track time in the hundred meters that you can lean on. You're leaning on junior track times in terms of quantified scores for what he's run. So I would love to see what he runs in front of NFL stopwatches next year. If it's fast enough, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Forget about hands. Forget about inconsistencies. He gets open. He makes big plays. You can throw him the ball in the flat, and he can go 80 on any given play. If he runs fast enough, he will be in the mold, I think, of what Texas – excuse me, of what NFL draft teams are looking for in the draft when they go wide receiver that early. Now, here's a question, though, Catch. I know you said that. I, I just want, I wanted to look it up just to, to make sure I had it correct. Um, Jordan Addison, similar frame. He's 5'11", 173. Um, but he ran a – apparently ran a 4.49 at, at the Combine. Still gets drafted, you know, early. now clearly – the Bolitnikoff Award uh, by his name, uh, but that's not four four nine is not blazing. So I, I'm wondering, to me, that the the tape. I I think what I'll say is I think the tape of of Xavier will be the thing that has him probably in that first round range. The same way the same the same tape of, of Jordan Addison and. I think the thing that you said about Xavier last year is still the thing that stays with me when I think about him, and that is he does the hardest thing, which is he gets open. And I and I think when when teams look at it, because Xavier doesn't just get open catch; he gets open by a large margin. Like he gets separation, you know that is you just don't see people do like that consistently. Like every, it's, it's like, okay, yes. You know, they're, they're, he got, he's got the, the ball went to a certain direction. Right. But you say to yourself, but damn, he had like 10 yards or whoever the hell is supposed to be around him. Like he's getting separation. He's getting past guys. He can work underneath. I think the tape will be the thing that people say to themselves, man, we can work with that guy. Cause all these other guys, are cool, but this guy knows how he can run, uh, but he can get he can get open, and that's what you're going to want. He's a great route runner, and I think the thing that a year ago Brennan Marion was highest on with Xavier Worthy was the growth that he had made in running his routes from freshman year to sophomore year. So he wasn't running all of the routes on the route tree as a freshman and had all the success that he did. But by the end of last year, there's a lot of confidence that he can run any route. He is an incredibly precise route runner. And we saw it four or five times last year where Xavier got into the end zone and they would go back on TV and highlight the route. I think it was against Oklahoma state. I can try to remember that whip route that he ran where every NFL player was coming out of the woodwork to compliment him on the route that he ran. I can remember Des Bryant being one of the players to say, holy crap, that was incredible. The speed with that route running, I think, makes him a very viable player in the first round. 
I want to have the Jatavion Sanders conversation mm. because I think we all think he's better than a lot of guys. I think he's a first-round talent. I watched the draft this weekend and watched the way tight ends were treated. And it means to me Jatavion would either have to go somewhere in like the final seven or eight picks of the first round or somewhere in round two. There were like five tight ends taken in round two. Yeah. There was one at 25 taken. So we know going into next year's draft, Brock Bowers is going to probably be the tight end out of Georgia who will get the number one tag. He is a freak. He really is spectacular. It's no knock on Jatavion to say you might be behind that guy. But I wonder if it's a deep – I think what hurt tight ends this year was that there was a perception that it was a deep year at tight end and that there were seven or eight tight ends in the draft. So if you really wanted one, you could wait till rounds two or three to get one. It will be interesting to see what next year's tight end draft looks like, because if there's only two or three, then I think Jatavion Sanders could go in the first round. Bowers is going to be a first round pick. So from where he gets drafted, and the, the amount of picks left in the first round will partly determine what happens with Jatavion. Assuming Jatavion comes out early, if there are fewer tight ends to choose from, I think his value might put him in the first round. If it was a year like this year, it might mean having to wait till round two to have your name called. Even Michael Mayer, the kid out of Notre Dame, who had a spectacular season going into this draft and was re- regarded as a dual threat guy. He can block, he can catch, not a great athlete though, but he goes in round two. So I walk away thinking Sanders might be, is probably a day two pick, but possibly a day one pick. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the Sanders thing, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Jatavian, like me, me and Quinn, we are boys this summer. Like we, where you want to go? You where are you going? I'm going. You know where? Where are we going? Okay, that's what that. That's not it. That not where are you going? Where are we going? Where are we going to eat? Where are we going on vacation? Where are we going to hang out? Because I need to make sure uh, I get some of those numbers and I get some more of that film going up because. Um, you know, I, I, I'm with you to catch, you know, we know, we know about Bowers and some of the other guys that are kind of in the mix is, is a Michael Trigg from Old Miss, a Jaheim Bell um, from Florida State uh, and uh, Brevin uh, Span Ford out of Minnesota, who I can't say I have seen play, but other the scouts, have, people who scout him seen him play uh, and he's in there. But you're right. The tight end thing, you know, they, they had one that was coveted. And then after that, it was kind of like, all right, we get, like you say, get everybody else in the second round. Uh, and then that's kind of what ends up happening. Uh, but yeah, it will be once we get past, let's say, Detavian and, and of course, obviously Bowers, then it'd be interested to see how do they view these other guys. And then they, do they view like there's going to be uh, some sort of drop off at that point where they just say, you know what, screw it. We've, you know, we, you got to get one of the two. Or you've got nothing, you know that. That's what we just don't know, uh, you know, going in. But it's to your point to say that you are viewed as one of the top forty players in the nation, forty-five players. That's not an insult by any stretch of the imagination. It's still one hell of an achievement. Is but to, but it's 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 thirty-two slots, and it's just hard to know what a team really covets that much. All right, we're going to wrap this up because I've got dogs barking and it's driving me insane. Even <laughs> even if it's not – can you hear it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's been driving me insane for like 15 minutes. I'm going to go curse my wife out. Like, you're a stay-at-home wife. You're like, I don't ask for very much. Can you keep the dogs? This one dog, her dog's been barking for like 15 minutes straight. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> I don't know what's I don't know what's going on. Like that dog is is seeing something. I don't know what's going on either. <laughs> I already sent the message that says shut this fucking dog up. Like, what else do I need to do? <laughs> well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs>
On that note, thanks. You so might much. need some rogue products. I was about to say, you better believe. You better believe. As soon as this show is over, as soon as I hit in stream, I am going to the rogue products. Rogueshop.com, promo code orangebloods. When the dog is barking and won't shut up, show, shut up, and you need a little bit of peace of mind, Rogue is there to make everything better. Use that promo code Orangebloods. Get that 10% discount. Look, guys, we will be back tomorrow for the modcast. Do a song. Like this video. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Get notifications. Do all those things. And by all means, go to rogueshop.com and do some shopping. For myself and Anwar Richardson, that's right, Paxton. <laughs> Happy birthday cake to me. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Later.